Um, and so this morning, I am going to be preaching. I'm the youth pastor, in case you didn't catch that. I don't have a, long, a lot of time for an introduction because we had a couple other things going on this morning. But I want to get started with my sermon this morning here. And I'm going to be preaching to y'all, this row here. I'm going to preach to this group. Uh, I'm going to focus my attention on these guys. And so, you know, this is going to be a geared towards the younger generation message. But before you, the rest of you are all like, well, that means I can just tune out. I want to tell you about this guy that had 12 youth with him that preached to them and taught them all the time. But the masses all heard those sermons and were like, hey, that's some pretty good stuff. We should get involved with that. So just because I'm teaching them as, oh, that was Jesus, by the way. So just as I'm teaching to them and talking to them, doesn't mean we can all just turn, turn off because this message is one for everybody. But I'm going to be focusing on you guys. And did we get, Reagan's, we need this real quick, I believe. Sorry about that. I might have you answer some questions, so I want you guys to hold on to this. Oh, yeah. I asked you all if you like, well, some of you, if you like public speaking. Don't worry, it'll be muted until you need it. There you go, Abby. Abby wants to give a speech, so I had to keep her away from it. I said we are doing too much this morning. All right, so we're going to get started here. All right, so you all are about to hit the next chapter of your life. It's all different for all of you. I know some of you, like, you're going out of state. Some of you might be staying around. Some of you might be just trying to do career and trying to figure out exactly what you want to do. Um, and so we're in, that, we're in that place of your life that you're kind of reinventing yourself a little bit. Like, some, is, is any one of you going to a place where you don't have anybody that you know? Okay, so we have a couple. So it's going to be like... I, I don't know anybody here, and I'm going to make, I'm gonna have to make new friends. Some of y'all haven't had to make new friends since you've been a couple months old. Uh, so, but, but really, we're going to have you, you're going to be in this place where you're reinventing yourself or finding yourself maybe for the first time, uh, away from your parents, away from, from where you grew up, away from your hometown. And some of you are entering into the workforce, and you're, you're going to find out that, you know, there's no more raising the hand to go to the bathroom, and, there's no, and, and, and suddenly you show up late a couple times, and it's not like, you know, now, Journey, you need to do this. It's going to be, uh, well, you're fired. So a little different, all right? But I'm, I'm, I'm gearing this message towards you guys because of that. Um, so anyways, we're going to get started here in Matthew 7. We're going to start in Matthew 7, verse uh, 15. This is, this is in the midst of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is, is a collection of teachings that Jesus preached. He preached, preached it on the Mount, but most scholars believe he also preached it many times over. So this is kind of the greatest hits of Jesus. This is what he wanted to make sure y'all heard, all right? So he preached this over and over and over again wherever he went. So this isn't just something Jesus said casually in one thing. This is like, this is kind of the, some of the foundational stuff. And this is a, maybe a standard issue uh, part of a sermon that we would give to people who are going somewhere new. But I'm going to read it and I'm going to hopefully go somewhere with it. So Matthew 7, 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inward, inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? No. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Emphasis on cannot. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruits, you will recognize them. All right, so Jesus is talking about prophets. If you don't know what a prophet is, a prophet is someone that represents God, God's voice to his people. So it might be something that God is saying in the moment, or it might be saying, you know, prophets would predict the future sometimes and, 
and bring out this idea, well, you know, if you don't turn away from God, your nation's going to be captured by somebody else. Whatever it is, prophets do this thing where they, they kind of speak the voice of God to the people. And here's, here's why I think Jesus honed in on them specifically, all right? A prophet, you can't really gauge. If, if, if let's say, let's say Ozzy's a prophet, right? And Ozzy's like, in five years, if, if, if you guys don't, you know, turn around in Cleburne, we're going to have a plague of uh, armadillos attack us or something, right? And so, and so he says that, well, we have to wait five years before we can know if that's ever going to actually be. So we can't really, we can't judge him on that, and we can't call him on that because nobody can prove it, but we can see the fruit of his life, and we can see the fruit. And that's what Jesus is saying. Hey, the prophets out there, we can't really gauge exactly what they're, if they're right or if they're wrong, but we will gauge them and test them and know them by their fruit, by what they produce, by what their actions are. If you have ever been to the produce section in the grocery store, it's filled with fruit and vegetables because that's what's produced, okay? And so he's, he's preaching this and he's talking about prophets. He's saying the standard issue servant is, is, hey, guys, you're going to a new place. Watch out for false prophets. Watch out for false pastors. Watch out for false Christian influencers. Like, don't let, don't let people come in and take you over because there, there's wolves in sheep's clothing. And notice wolves, ferocious wolves is not a neutral it's not saying, well, the people that just got it wrong, they're, they're you know, that's a, it's saying they're wolves. They're intentionally finding ways to rip you off, to control you, to manipulate you, to feed on your emotions. And they will, they will convince you over and over again. You know, they'll say, hey, you know, you, you, you heard me hear the voice of God and you agreed on this little thing and that little thing and this little thing. And now God's telling me that we need to get married. It's like, whoa, we took a big step there. How'd that happen? So, be careful to watch out. And that's what Jesus is talking about. But in his thing, he's talking about two trees. Good trees, bad trees. Bearing good fruit and bad fruit. And in case you didn't notice, um, behind me, Linda Fagan and, and Rondal Fagan helped me out with this and did an amazing job. I wanted to give you some um, visual representation this morning of the good tree and the bad tree. Okay, so Galatians 5.22, Paul is talking here about what he calls the fruit of the Spirit or what the Spirit produces. All right? So this is what the Spirit is bringing forth. And he, gives, he, he runs down a list of the good fruit that the Spirit produces. We have love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Paul is saying, hey, if the Spirit is in operation in you, this is what it's going to produce. This is what you're going to look like. This is what's coming out of you naturally. Okay? And then so we also have the bad tree that Jesus talks about. And a couple hundred years after Jesus, um, Jesus lived and died... A, uh, a Christian monk came along and kind of said, hey, you know all those sins that we have? There's really seven of them that kind of, this is where all of them kind of come from. And so he gave us the seven deadly sins, if you've ever heard of it. And it's, it's envy, gluttony, greed, lust, sloth, pride, and wrath. And maybe I should have even done pride first. But the point being is there is good fruit and bad fruit. And, and at face value, Jesus is saying, watch out for the prophet that's doing this stuff because you'll know them by their fruit, all right? You'll know that, they, hey, you don't have to know if they're going to be accurate, but if they're practicing greed and wrath and pride and lust and they have it flowing through their lives, you shouldn't trust their prophecy, okay? You shouldn't trust a Christian influencer that just, you know, looks really cool and wears all the nice stuff and says the right things, but this is what they're producing, okay? And so that is the face value of that, that um teaching of Jesus, but if prophets claim to represent God in his voice, and Jesus said, check their actions, let's take it another step. Pastors, I agree, pastors 
They claim to represent God's meanings and guide his sheep, his people. Um, and I think that the same application can apply. A pastor, check their fruit, check their actions. What is their life producing? And then if you call yourself a Christian, and you call yourself a Christian, which means you represent Jesus Christ to the world here on earth, check your actions. Check your actions of your fellow Christians and check the actions of yourself, and we will get there. But before we do, I want to ask a question in the room. It's kind of a little off topic, but I'm going to bring it back, okay? So, how many of you all can look at somebody in this room and, well, you don't have to raise your hand for real, but find somebody that you don't know? Like, you don't know their name, you don't know nothing about them, you maybe saw them like one other week and that's it, that's all you know? Some of you are like, that's like everybody in the room. Uh, but but some, you, you don't know somebody or you don't know some people? I, and if I ask you the question, are, is that person saved? What would you mentally, and you don't have to answer, but what would you think? What would your answer be in your head? Next, I want to ask you if you have somebody in the room that you kind of know well. Maybe you've even been over to their house once. You know their name, you know their kids' names. You kind of have an idea of maybe where they went to school or something like that. But that's about as far as it goes. If I ask you the question, are they saved, what would you think? Then finally, if you're sitting here and you're next to somebody you know intimately or you know very well, your best friend, your spouse, your children, your parents, your family, and I asked you, are they saved, what would you say? Usually, if I polled most of the room, I think we would have two answers. Yes, and only God can decide, Pastor. Nobody would probably say no. Nobody would want to say no. But, you know, well, Pastor, you know, only God can decide. I can't say that. And I would agree with you, okay? I would agree with you on that. Only God can decide our salvation. Only God can decide who is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. But I want to talk about the premise of the question today. And I asked you, are they saved? And I want to talk about the premise of the question being, there is a big difference between what I meant and what some people heard me ask. Okay? If you heard me ask, and this could be from the person you don't know to, the, to your, your child or your parents or whatever it is. If you heard me ask, did they one time say a prayer under threat of hell and they were like seven and they were like, well, I don't want to go to hell. So yeah, sure. Okay. And I don't really know who Jesus is. Didn't he like slay Goliath or something? I'll go with it. He built an ark, right? I'll go with it. And they, and they say, I give myself to, and parents are like, whoo, yes, yes, they're saved. They're saved. They're saved. That's not what I'm asking. And I'm not asking that in any capacity. What I was asking was, does that person know Jesus as God? Savior, King, Master, Lord, only way to the Father, and is a disciple of them. Those are two stark different questions. And we love to say yes, or, you know, we like to take it casually. But that question means a lot more than just asking, did you say a prayer once? And that's what I'm getting at today. Has anybody, oh, man, I'm going to ask the younger, anytime I ask them if, I've, if they've seen anything, it's always no. Uh, has anybody, any of you all seen Undercover Boss? Okay, okay. I brought up Jersey Shore once. That was a disaster. All right. So, Undercover Boss. If you haven't seen the show, the premise is, it's pretty self-explanatory in some ways. You take the CEO or the leader of an organization, and, you, and what they do is they make them undercover. They disguise them. 
you know, put the beard and mustache on or make them, make them look completely different than they are. And they bring them in and they put them in the entry-level job in the organization. So let's take, take the, the CEO and president of Kroger and let's bring them to Cleburne and see how long Kroger stays open. Um, but let's, <laughs> let's take them here and, and then see, like, how are they operating on the low level? Who is being lazy? Who works, who's cutting corners? Who's not getting appreciated? Who's not getting paid? You know, who's, who's breaking all the rules? And so that person, do we have the microphone? That person goes undercover, okay? I'm going to ask Abby, since you got the microphone, why do they make the boss undercover? So he can see what's going on wrong in his business? Well, why not just have him walk in and normal, you know, a suit and tie? and Because they would disguise everything that was happening, actually. Because people would not act the same? Exactly. Okay. That's, that's the right answer. That's right. You already got your chocolate in there, so take that. All right. Here's, here's why. Because people act differently when they understand someone's authority. And that's the bare bones of it. People act differently when they say, oh, he's not just a bagger. He's the CEO. He's in charge of the person that's in charge of the person that's in charge of the person that's in charge of me. Like, that's somebody extraordinarily important. And because they're in the room, I'm going to act a lot differently. But they disguise them so they, they get around that, right? And so that's why you'll see a five foot one mother yelling at a six foot two son that's 150 pounds more than her. And he's just like, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Right? You know, she's like, dah, 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 you know, like that. And that's why you see that because the authority is there. And even though physically he's more imposing, the authority is there and he acts differently. If you want to know why so many people, and, and maybe some of us included, have an issue with Christians not acting right, I would argue that that is exactly why. They do not understand the authority that the name of Jesus Christ and bearing his name means to the world. They see God and Christ as something small. When in th- and when in fact, a call to follow Christ is a complete and utter surrender to him. And I think, and, and I would go so far as to say, should we even blame the people? Or should we look at the ones teaching the people? Should we look at the pastors? Have they made a little Jesus that's easy to get into a church with at the expense of sending people down a, a broad road that leads to destruction. We pre, we, I hear it all the time, I, and, and this is one of my pet peeves as a pastor, so you know, bear with me for a second. But when I hear someone preach a sermon, and the whole sermon is, is you know, how you can just live your best life now. And then they give an altar call to Jesus, but they didn't talk about Jesus the whole time. Uh, how would they even know what they're deciding? Or if they said, you know, they're up there screaming at, you know, you, you need to, we're going to talk about this more, how you're going to face your Goliaths. And it's all about you beating your Goliath. And we talked about David. And they make an altar call. And they're like, Jesus was like David. And you're like, Jesus was a murderer and a rapist also. Or Jesus, uh, David was a murderer and a rapist. We're not going to compare it. We're not going to go with that. And exactly what I mean is like, okay, so it's cool when David does it, so... You know, how do, I, how do I reconcile this? What do I do? Or we'll, we'll preach a sermon on um, dealing with anxiety in the 21st century. And we do a whole sermon on that. And then we call people to come to Christ and we didn't even mention his name. That bugs me to no end. Um, and in fact, I'll say there's even this other thing that, that I'll see all the time. It would be like a camp 
uh, when you go to a conference, it's, it's everybody close your eyes and, you know, maybe slip up your hand. We don't want to embarrass you. I'm like, well, we don't want to embarrass people that they would be submitting to the creator of the universe who's preeminent in all things, who is master and supreme and their lives are supposed to reflect him, but they're too embarrassed to acknowledge him in a room full of Christian people that are all supporting them. How on earth are they going to do it at their job? What is going on here? And so I have, I have a real problem with it. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And I, I just challenge you to read it. It's, one, it's the one that changed me. So Jesus is absolutely your Savior. Don't get me wrong. He says absolutely Savior, but he's also the King of all. And the thing is with Jesus, Jesus is not just a name. He's a way. Okay? When the early church, the early disciples, so you're, you're John, Peter, and all of them, right? So when they left, Jesus died, he ascended into heaven, he rose again, ascended into heaven, they started calling themselves the followers of the way. And I think we shouldn't look past that because they were saying, look, Jesus is not just a name, man. He's a way of life. Like following Jesus, it looks different. Being a disciple of Christ, it makes you look different. It makes you look like Jesus. And so they, they, would, they would really um, lay in on that and say, yeah, we are followers of the way. And that's what I'm talking about today and I see today. There's a difference between people who think that Jesus is a get-out-of-jail-free card that was a nice guy that maybe you should acknowledge him sometimes versus someone who has dedicated their, li- dedicated their life as a full disciple of Jesus Christ, walking with him, slowly changing and sanctifying with him spreading his gospel out into the world and making disciples. There's a massive difference between those two things. And so I want to ask you again real quick, the same question I asked you earlier. You know somebody in the room that you barely know. Do they walk and talk and act as if Christ is God, King, and Master of their lives? Well, it's hard to answer the first one, but might be a little bit easier for us to answer that question. And for the person you know and you've been to their house and you've seen the way they treat their wives and kids, you've seen the way that they act, are they walking in a manner that says, man, they are, they are following him. Their, their actions show that they believe, not, not what their actions make them believe, but their actions show what's in their heart, the fruit that produces. And those of you who have a family member, a best friend, a child, a parent, and you say, are they living their life as if Jesus is king? That's a tough question for us to wrestle with. That's a tough question for parents to wrestle with, with their children, for children to wrestle with, with their siblings, for their best friends. It's a tough question because the second you ask that question, I think you also invite a conversation about, well, what about you? You know, it's like, oh, I, no, just you, that's fine, you know. No, I just wanted to ask about you. And so that's a tough question, but the truth is that, like we said before, people act differently when they understand someone's authority, and Christians act differently the more they understand about the authority of Jesus Christ. Pastors act differently. Worship teams act differently. Youth leaders, children's leaders act differently when they believe, the more they understand the authority of Jesus Christ. And here's what I'm getting at. Saying, just saying Jesus is Lord of your life is not equal to him being Lord of your life. And I will continue what Jesus was saying in the Sermon on the Mount here. He goes right into it. He says, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, 
I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer, you bearer of bad fruit. That's tough. And we said people act differently when they understand Jesus' authority. And Jesus is saying, hey, man, listen, you can talk all you want, but your actions will always betray your words when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. God sees right through you. God sees right to your heart. That's why Jesus said, if you've simply thought about your neighbor's wife, you've committed adultery. He doesn't care if you've done it or not. Some, some people don't do it because they're just afraid of breaking the law and getting in prison. But if you had a free freedom to do it, would you take it? And those are some deep questions. And notice he brings in here and he, this, this illustration. He's talking about prophets again. or talking about people who would prophesy. But he's saying, hey, you prophesy. Well, that's, that's a good thing, Pastor Mark. Prophesying is a good thing. That's a church thing, right? Casting out demons. Well, I wish I cast out demons. That's a, that's a good thing. Performing miracles. Wait. He's not saying, you know, um, he's not saying that uh, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do drugs in the streets and did we not, you know, beat up our, our, beat up our enemies at school? He's not saying that. He's saying people that did good things. Those are the people that he's turning away. So I would, I would venture to say that maybe in our modern church we could say, you know, not everyone that, uh, I like the song, but speaks the name of Jesus in worship. That's not enough. Lifts their hands has devotionals on the praise team, did food distribution, maybe attend youth group or camp or fam or whatever it is. Like, that's not enough. None of that's bad, but it's not enough to justify the good tree, okay? Even performing miracles at that. He said, away from me, you evildoers are bearer of bad fruit. So you remember that argument we had earlier where I said people will tell me, no, pastor, only God can decide. Absolutely true. Only God can decide our salvation. I will never say anything on the contrary. But Jesus said, yeah, but you can also see. And that's the part we don't like. He said, oh, yes, but you can see. You can see. You can tell by their fruit. You'll know by their fruit. And that's a question that we might need to struggle with a little bit and work through. And I'm going to ask this question or ask this question that I hope some of us will wrestle with this morning. In regards to the single most important decision in your life, the most important stance and belief in your life, bar none of your eternity, why does the church as a whole carelessly, haphazardly tell you, you're probably fine. You're probably good. I'm going to use a volunteer this morning. Um, He knows who he is. He never gets out of it. Come on up, Maddox. I want to illustrate this to you so you can see. All right? Maddox, come on up. Oh, the camera people hate me because I move around the stage, but it's okay. Maddox, come on over here. Come on over. Okay, I want everybody in the room to imagine I'm, I'm here with Maddox. Okay, I want to open the door of, of the plane. We're a couple thousand feet above ground. You know, you can see your house, that little speck down there. Okay, skydiving instructor, and I'm sitting here. I'm like, hey, Maddox, man, listen, let me tell you what. My skydiving company, we're the biggest one in Cleburne. We've had more people jump than anybody else. You're going to have to trust me. You'll probably be fine, okay? Just, I just want you to jump, all right? You're going to be fine. You got it. Okay, you ready? Okay, three, oh, wait, hold on. Uh, here. here, here's your parachute. I almost forgot. Sorry, here you go. All right, are you ready? All right, are you ready? This, this is, this is going to, dude, I'm telling you, we have seen more people jump than any, dude, we're the best in Cleburne, okay? You just have to trust us. All right, are you ready to count down? All right, are you, are you good? Okay, he's good. All right, three, two. Hey, Maddox, oh. Max, Max, hold up. Oh, whoa. Whoa, are you sure you are safe? 
He's fine. Like, he's fine. He's fine. He's fine. Do you even trust this guy? Oh, here are we you, go. Like, are you sure? Do you even know what you're doing? All right, listen, Maddox, he is being judgmental. He's a Pharisee among skydivers. All right? You just need to, you just need to trust me. I've had more people jump than any other skydiving instructor. What are you doing? This is just a backpack. All right, listen to me. We have had more this people. Is hey, hey, what, that, oh, here we go with this. Here we go with this. Listen, Maddox. This? You were Maddox, trust this guy. <laughs> Maddox, the plane's on fire. You need to jump now or you're going to die. Hold up, hold up, oh. hold up. He said, so many people have jumped. Let me ask you a question. Ask him the question, how many have landed alive? Listen, I've had more people jump than anybody else in the whole town of Cleaver. All right. Hey, hey. Did he ever answer that question? <laughs> no. He never did. B, do you know why? Yeah, it's Here we gonna, go. you're going to die. Ooh. Okay, how about this? Okay. Yeah, you're going to jump when it's on fire. Okay. You're going to believe that you're going to be safe, but then you're going to either die in the plane or die on the ground. All right. I want to ask the question, which one here between Derek and I care more about Maddox? But I said he's being judgmental. Hey, appreciate you guys. You can, you can go sit down. I want to read some scriptures to you this morning to, to show you this. But a lot of times we, we, we want to side with the, the, the skydiving instructor that says you're probably fine because it's way easier just to say, yeah, I'm probably good, right? I don't need to go through all the procedures and the training and uh, all the effort to make sure that I'm fine. He said I'm fine. I just want to jump. But you're dealing with your eternity. It's not a decision on, you know, what you're going to eat for the night. And I would argue to, the, to no end that in that situation, Derek cares more about him than me. And I, I will justify it by Scripture. Philippians 2, 12. This is Paul. All right. Therefore, scriptures, they're in your Bible. Hopefully you'll read those. All right. Philippians 2, 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? 1 Peter 5, 8, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. These guys are saying, wake up and look. Which tree are you? Which tree are you? Which one? Examine yourselves, test yourselves, which one do you look like? Which one do you operate? Which one is being produced from your life? Oh, man, that's a tough question for us to deal with. Because I want you to notice who we, who we have. Let's give it to Jose. Jose, I'm going to ask you a question, okay? And it's not hard, but it's yes or no, okay? All right. Do you see church attendance up here on the good tree? No. Okay. Let's see. What's, I'm going to bring this with me so I don't have to keep coming here. Uh, let's give it to, let's just give it to Jackson. Jackson, you're right there. Jackson. Do you see going to youth camp up on this tree? No. I right, pass it down to Landry real quick. Landry, I'm going I'm to get you, okay? Do we see praying before the football game up there? No. No? How about uh, let's give it to Trinity. She's right beside you. We'll get some girls in here. 
How about coming from a Christian home, Trinity? Do you see that? No. No? Are you sure? Coming from a no? No? Okay. Let's give it to uh, let's give it all the way down to Journey. This will be fun. I just want them to pass it around and make it more difficult. Journey, how about working really hard? Like really hard and, and, and making a name for yourself. Is that on there? No. You're sure? We're in Texas. Very Are you sure, sure. it's on up there? It's, it's, it's gross. Okay. Okay. How about uh, let's give it to Olivia. Let's get to finish the girls off here. Olivia. I'm gonna I'm gonna get Olivia here. Okay. How about this one? Having a this is for all of y'all, by the way. Olivia's gonna answer. How about having a safe, secure, financially stable trajectory for your life? Is that up there? No. No? No? And here's, here's the deal. You're good. Uh, here's the deal. Following Jesus and asking you to become more like him is probably not going to look so safe and stable because that's not the way God has ever operated with his people ever, not once. In fact, every time someone got called by God, it ended up usually flipping all of their plans up on their heads. Okay? It said, you, you thought you were going to go and be, and be this, and suddenly... Here's the deal. Let's, let's, let's use, um, uh, just use, okay, we'll just use Landry because he's here. All right, Landry, let's say, you know, you're like, you're, I mean, obviously we, everybody who knows you knows you like football a little bit. It's kind of a thing, right? And so you don't have to answer anything. So, um, but you like football and, and that's part of your, your, your life. And if you were to succeed at football, a lot of people would say, you know what? You know, Landry put in the hard work, and he does. He puts in the hard work. He's, the dedic he's dedicated. He lives, eats, sleeps, breathes football. It's all football all the time. So if Landry were to do great in football, it would be accredited unto Landry. But if Landry were to do something that was out of his wheelhouse entirely, with, it's something that he's not good with or weak in, we could accredit it to God Almighty. And so I'm just saying right now, we see stuff, we think that we pretend it's on the good tree. It's not there. All right, and you guys are about to enter that phase in your life where you're about to make a lot of changes. You're about to have new friends, new environments, new people. Some of you might find a, a girl or a, a guy that you will marry and be with um, for the rest of your life, and it'll be a completely new experience for you. Now is the time to consider if you feel like this might be more of the tree that you are to consider to change. But here's because here's the deal: Jesus tried to preach in his hometown, and people just said, "You know, what's this? The carpenter's son? He's nobody. He can't be the Messiah." Even Jesus himself didn't work, didn't be, wasn't able to do good work in the place where everybody sat there and called him out about what he was. And just like you should be a new creation in Christ, it's going to be hard for people that continuously, continuously, continuously remind you of who you used to be. But I digress and I'll say this. That brings us to the next question that I, I want to wrestle with this morning. This is to say this, how do you then change? Okay. Because that's the question. If I say, you shouldn't be this tree, but you should be this tree, and we see Jesus saying, this is the bad one, this is the good one, how do we go from the bad to the good? And that's the ultimate question that we need to wrestle with this morning. So what we try to do, we try to have our own answers, and we try these, uh, these um, attempts at changing trees. And the first thing we do is we say, hey, a uh, bad tree, I'm, ba I'm a bad tree, and I shouldn't be a bad tree, I shouldn't bear good, good, uh, shouldn't bear bad fruit, so I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to work on my greed. And I'm going to really, really, really work on my greed. And I'm going to work so hard on my greed. I'm going to focus on it. I'm going to do devotionals. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to take greed off the tree. And now, look, behold. Oh, crap. I'm still a bad tree, aren't I? And here's the truth. If I took all of them off here, if you took all the apples off of an apple tree, what would it be? An apple tree. It wouldn't change the identity of the tree. So, okay, that didn't work. So how about this? If we take a good, oh, no, I know what we can do. We can really do, we can, uh, we can do this one. Let's do this one. 
We're going to focus really hard on joy, and I know we're a battery, but if we just, if we just you know, get a hammer and nail, nail joy onto the battery, now I'm bearing good fruit, right? No. What happens if you would tape or nail or strap a fruit onto another tree? It would slowly die, the fruit, because it wouldn't last because it's not being produced by the tree, nor does it change the identity of the tree. It's still a bad tree. So that didn't work. So now we have our 21st century attempt at doing it, and we say, well, I know what we can do. If we can't change what we produce, we can change the definition of bad things to make them good. And we can say, it's not lust and perversion, guys. It's love. It's not envy. It's my motivation. And we take the things that are bad and we try to label them as good, but God's not fooled. And so nothing we can seem to do can change the tree. And why isn't it working? Why can a bad tree not produce good fruit? Because it's not in the nature of the tree. And there's only one answer to to change the tree. And Jesus said it in Matthew 7. He said, all trees that do not bear good fruit must be cast, ripped down and cast into the fire. If you want to know how to not be a bad tree anymore, the solution is ultimately just death of the tree. That's it. And the truth be told, death is coming for all of us, and it's something we don't like to talk about. We don't like to deal in death. Death is not comfortable. Death is not something we want to talk about here and there. We want to pretend it's not coming at all. But it's coming for all of us like a train down the track. And you don't have to find death. It'll always find you. It'll find every single person in this room that has been alive, so that's all of you, all right? Death is coming, and it's coming faster for some and slower for some. But Paul talks about the wages in Romans 6. He says the wages of sin is death, meaning to pay sin off, death must happen. That's it. That's the answer. You want to know how to stop being a bad tree? Die. That's the answer. That's the only answer that will suffice. And for some of you who know that death is coming, some of you think it's, it's, it's coming not so far from now. Some of you think, hey, it's, I got... I got 40 years left, and I got a 40-year plan in my, in my career, and so I'm not worried about it right now, and it's fine if you think it's one or the other, but the problem is, especially for young people, when it comes faster than you expected, okay? You were just swiping up on Snap while you were driving, and you didn't see that the truck had to veer to dodge something in the other lane, and you look up a couple seconds too late, and it's over, and it's done. You go to the mall just to spend all your graduation money, and you're like, hey, this is cool, you know? And then suddenly you hear gunshots, and it's over. You go to a prom after party thinking you're just going to hang out with your girl, and you get in a confrontation, and it's over. It's done. And suddenly death crept up on you, but, but everybody was telling you it was coming the whole time. And we're afraid to talk about that. And I have, I have been part of a youth ministry that we watched someone who was in their early 20s perish way, way too young. And ever since then, I cannot sit comfortably with it. He was planning on going to culinary school and, and becoming a chef and opening up a business, uh, a, a restaurant, a Christian restaurant, had all these plans, and then a car wreck later, and it was all over. And I cannot sit there and pretend it's not coming. And so I'm saying this, I'm not saying this to make us all feel miserable or to say that your death is imminent, but I am saying it's coming. And it's what this tree deserves. It's what it always has deserved since the moment Adam ate from the bad tree itself. And so I know it sounds like I'm, I'm painting a picture of doom and gloom, but I want, I want to do it because I want to paint evil 
I want to paint it as dark as possible. Some of us are afraid to do that. But I want to paint evil with the darkest of strokes because I want to point you to a hope. And I want to talk about what true darkness looks like. It's death. It's nothing. It's sin. It's pride, gluttony, greed, lust. And a lot of us in the church and Christians spend all of our time trying to make the darkness a little bit less dark. We spend a lot of time trying to say, no, 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 it's, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's not going to just be a nice person and it'll be fine. Don't worry about the darkness. It'll be fine. And we sit there and we try to make excuses that it's not so dark. And maybe if we vote the right politicians in, then it won't be so dark and we'll fix the darkness in the world. But the darkness has always been and always will be. But I want to talk about something else. If you believe in a hope that expels the darkness, the darkness becomes a whole lot less scary. If you have a little light, you know, we always do that song, a little, this little light of mine. You have a little light that doesn't produce much light, and you're, and you're walking around, you're saying, you know, it's, it might go out any moment. I'm, I'm afraid of the dark. I just, I hope it stays lit. That's not the kind of light that Jesus offers. And what I want to do this morning is talk about the light. Because as Jesus said, I am the way, he also said two more things he is. And I could find Jesus in this room if he was here in the darkness by him saying, I am the way, the truth, and the light. There's Jesus. I know exactly where he is. This is easy. It's obvious. It's obvious. But if I spent all the time trying to make the room as bright as possible because I was afraid of the light, I wouldn't really trust in the light. But I know I can see it, and it's somewhat blinding. I can see it. It's there, it's obvious where Jesus is. But a lot of us are afraid that we won't be able to find him if it gets too dark. When in reality, the darker the world, the, sh the, the brighter the light of Christ will shine. Thank you, Bree. Thank you. you can turn the lights back on. And so, that's why we see in nations where Christians are still being persecuted, the Christian church is booming. Because it's not hard to find Jesus. But when we try to make sin light and make sin not as bad, it becomes harder and harder to find the light. But the thing is that Jesus said here that I want to talk about, or, or, or I want, Paul talks about, and Jesus, Jesus showed it, is this. That this darkness that we have, this, this inevitable fate of this tree, that you must die, Jesus came with a new plan. And this is the message that I came to deliver this morning. Jesus said, absolutely, 100%, the wages of sin is death and you must die. But I have a plan that's a little different. See, you could wait until death finds you, or you can follow me and die before death finds you. You can take this tree and sacrifice it before me, and we'll bury that tree just as I was buried. But then if you do that, the funny thing is if you die with me and you're buried with me, you'll also live with me. Romans 6, 7, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. I told you, this was the payment. To be set free from sin, you must die. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. 
Forfeit your life before death steals it. Give it to Christ before you're surrounded and it's too late. That is the message of Jesus Christ. And it's a hopeful one because you are no longer bound as a slave to these things. These things have been ruling you the whole time. But you have to die in order to live with him. And it's something that we don't want to always do. And that's why this message isn't just intended for the people who are new to their faith and new to the religion, but people who have been in the church for 30 years and still haven't died yet. Because it doesn't matter about church attendance, right, Jose? No church attendance didn't matter. Right. And so even though you've been coming to church for a long time or you grew up in the church or just because your parents are Christians, if you don't die, you have to die to pay that off so that you may live with him. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You cannot live with Christ if you do not die to yourself first. And so then we have to answer this question here, and, and I'm going to end it with a, with a scripture, and we'll call the seniors up. But I want to say, what about those who do finally die? Well, this is cool. If you die to yourself, you are buried, and you rise again with Christ. Just as we could not in our attempts Make the bad tree good. Well, you could take, I was struggling with pride this week. And so I, uh, I nailed it to this tree because I was, I was having an issue. But it's not being produced by this tree. And so you're no longer bound by that. You're free from sin because it was already paid for. And just because you weren't showing kindness that day, if you take an apple off the apple tree, it's still an apple tree. And it doesn't matter what definition someone might put on you. They might say you're being judgmental. They might say you're, you're trying to help somebody see self-control and they don't want to see self-control and you're practicing it in your life and your self-control makes them feel guilty so they come at you. They can't change the definition. God still sees what God sees. And he's ultimately the only one that it matters. But then it brings us to the final, final question of, of the day, the kind of final thought. Well, so if I, if I become a good tree, if I'm, not, I'm a bad tree, and then I, I fully become a good tree in Christ alone, then, well, well, then I can kind of do what I want, right? Isn't that the answer there? It's like, oh, well, I, you know, then it won't matter if I sin because no sin, no amount of sin could 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 make me a bad tree again so I can just go ahead and, and kind of start doing what I want. And that's why I'm preaching this morning. I've been preaching the whole time, Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. We've died to it. So how can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we will certainly also be united in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. 
but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Paul was adamant about this stuff. The problem is, if I told you you just have to make a decision one time, that doesn't do anything for you. And so that is why I, th- today I'm making this sermon kind of like the last sermon I'd ever be able to preach to you all. And so it punches a little bit. It might sting a little bit. But I don't know what you're going to be doing the next few weeks. And I don't know. Some of you will just kind of disappear. You'll start working and we won't see you. I want to make sure that you hear me loud and clear. To follow Christ, you must die to yourself and bury yourself with Jesus to then live with him. That is the gospel that Paul, that Peter, that James, that the early church, that Origen, that the early church fathers, all throughout history, up until today, that is the one hope that we all hold on to, that we die with him so that when we really die, we rise with him as well in the resurrection. Because one day you'll stand before God and you'll see, you'll be one or the other, and God will see straight through it. And you'll have to decide which one. He'll, he'll decide which one you are. You'll have to decide which one you want to be. And I, I urge you, there is so much freedom. I know it seems like you're giving up a lot, but there is so much freedom in becoming like Christ. You were a slave to sin. As Paul said, I was a slave. To, if this stuff makes you feel like you're in charge, you're not in charge. You're not in charge. If you ever tried to quit an addiction, you'll learn real quick you're not in charge. Okay? So I'm going to end this morning. I, wanna, I don't want everybody to leave. Uh, we're going to do something a little different this morning. Uh, seniors, I'm going to have you guys all come up in the front row here, like right, right up front. You guys can get up now and, and do it. Uh, line up, kind of spread out a little bit. I want the parents of all of our seniors, and maybe if you, if, if you got a best friend up here or whatever, a really close friend, I want you guys to come up here. So parents, friends, seniors, you all can come up now. We're going we're gonna to start getting ready for this. We're going to pray for these guys this morning. I'm not going to do... Even though I preach the gospel, I don't want to do an altar call this morning like this traditional altar call. All right? This morning, I want parents and, and, close, and people close to them to lay their hands on their, either, either their brothers, their friends, their, their, their children. And um, we're going we're gonna to play a song. I, I wanted Brent to be able to be up here, so we're not going to have a worship set. I want Brent to be, you know, be able to pray for his son. So we're going to play a song. And I want the rest of us to be praying for these seniors as they go out. And specifically, that they make sure that they're sure, that they're sure, that they're sure about their eternity and their salvation. So as a church body, if we can get behind these guys, these guys are about to take an amazing journey in their lives, and I hope that one day we'll look back at the testimonies of these guys and and hearts and lives will be changed. So if we can all stand up, we'll we'll all stand up and and pray for them. Um, And we'll, we'll cue the song and and just pray for them, pray for their hearts, pray for their future. We'll, we'll give a song, and after the song, I'll dismiss the seniors, the graduates first. They'll go out to their tables, and then all the rest of you can follow. And if you have a card for them, or you just want to have a word for them, or talk to them a little bit, they'll be out there um, at, their, at their tables. So go ahead and play the song, and we'll, we'll get started, and then I'll pray us out, okay? God, I pray for these students. Clear the stage and set the sound and the lights ablaze If that's the measure you must take to crush the idols 
shirk the pews and all the decorations too Until the congregation's fueling half revival Tell your friends that this is where the party ends Until you're broken for your sins You can't be social And seek the Lord and wait for what he has in store And know that great is your reward So just be hopeful Cause you can sing all you want to Yes, you can Sing all you want to You can sing all you want to Still get it wrong Oh, worship is more than a song Break from all the plans that you have made And sit at home alone and wait for God to whisper I beg him please to open up his mouth and speak And pray for real upon your knees until they blister Shine the light on every corner of your life Until the pride and lust and lies are in the open Then read the word and put to test the things you've heard Until your heart and soul are stirred and rocked and broken Cause you can sing all you want to Yes you can is more than a song we must not worship something that's not even worth it you clear the stage make some space for the one who deserves it Anything I put before my God is an idol Anything I want with all my heart is an idol And anything I can't stop thinking of is an idol Anything that I give all my love is an idol Cause I can sing all I want to, yes I can Sing all I want to Yeah.
counting lights a place that's the measure you must take to cross the idols. I pray for each and every one of these graduates that they chase after you and find you and hold on to you and never let go. I know as Bethel Temple, as we, as we stand beside them, I pray that, that everybody in this room that has a voice to, to pray and speak to you, that they keep these young people in mind, the next generation. Let them be a light in the darkness for you. Let them represent you. And if their hearts have been hardened or pulled away from you, God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would intervene and soften their hearts, that they might find you in a new way, in a deeper level, that they might share a testimony that will change people that they come in contact with. And I thank you for this body of believers that I know without a doubt will be praying for them daily for the senior citizens that come behind them and pray for them, the young adults ministry coming behind them and praying for them, that everybody in between will be reaching out and praying for them and supporting them, not just financially, but spiritually and emotionally and be there for them for counsel and guidance whenever they might need. I thank, thank you, God, for this opportunity to speak and spread, spread the gospel this morning and share it with these people, these young people. And I just thank you for all you do. And I pray that you're blessed through this morning and that as we go out to honor the seniors, that, that maybe they can be a blessing to us as well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, we love you guys. All y'all seniors, go first. And we'll follow you, okay? Seniors, lead the way. Thank you all for being here this morning. Here at your feet, my desire.